Good morning, Mosaic Church. We hope you're continuing to have a great start to 2023, and we are so glad you're here to worship with us this morning. If you're new to Mosaic, as a church, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the word of God. If you'd like more information about our vision, or you want to get connected to the life of our church through community groups, or if you'd like to find an opportunity to serve, you can text the word MOSAIC to 97000 and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. We have a lot of great things happening this month that you won't want to miss. Men's and women's ministries are in full swing and we'd love to have you join us. The men had a great first meeting together and the first women's meeting will be this week on Wednesday the 25th at 6 p.m. Ladies, we can't wait to see you there. And last but not least, we'll be having an interactive night of worship on Sunday, January 29th at 6 p.m. as our final way this month of solidifying our commitment to be the church together this year. We hope you'll plan to join us for that. And now, as we get ready to enter into corporate worship, if you're concerned about having little ones in service with you, we want you to be at ease. We love kids and have a lot of them here. Our kids' ministry is always available to you, and we have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together. All right. Well, hey, good morning, guys. Uh, if I've not met you, my name is Tad Anderson. I'm the lead uh, teaching pastor here at Mosaic. We're so glad you're here to join us uh, in worshiping Jesus this morning. Um, I have a few announcements for you, um, just kind of an impromptu one. Right before I walked up, my wife wanted me to tell you uh, they were doing some cleaning around the church building this past week, and uh, we have like a whole stash of Mosaic coffee mugs, and so if you want one of those, you should take one or five or however many you want on your way out. <laughs> They'll be somewhere out there. Okay, so please, they're they're. They're yours, so um, take those. Uh, so actual announcements that I have here in my notes. Uh, first of all, I just want to celebrate uh, the men's ministry uh, meeting that we had this past week. It was awesome. It was great. Um, guys who were not able to make it, we really hope that you'll join us uh, next time because it was a really good time of just talking straight up about what it means to be a godly man who knows his true identity and purpose in Christ, and also we, uh, you know, we we sang together, uh, kind of a new thing. You know, we sang as men. We sang a hymn at the beginning to start off, and we closed with a hymn. And uh, just want to say it was probably one of the most manly things I've ever heard. I think, um, well, it's like the scales, like you know, like Harley Davidson engine, roar of the crowd at the Super Bowl. Okay, uh, and then all the deep voices of the, of the men. In here singing their praises unto Christ. So just so you know, if you want to be manly, you should come to this gathering. But seriously, it was so good, uh, and I can't wait to do it again. Uh, and ladies, you are up this coming week, Wednesday at 6 p.m. Women's ministry is going to officially launch as well, and I have no doubt that it's going to be just as good for the ladies. So I uh, just wanted to get that out there one final time. Uh, the next announcement I have is that we do have a night of worship coming up uh, next Sunday, actually, uh, at 6 p.m. So when we, when we would normally meet for a community group, we will steer our focus to a time of corporate worship together instead. Lots of singing, lots of encouragement as we wrap up uh, just our January uh, vision focus 
uh, about living on mission. There's going to be childcare provided, actually, uh, for birth through second grade, if you'd like to take advantage of that. Some of our friends uh, at another local church will be doing that for us, uh, because we want to eliminate any possible hurdle for you uh, to, to not come. So uh, we'll have childcare provided as well, so it's going to be great. We really hope you'll join us for the night of worship. And last but not least, uh, we are going to have our first partner meeting of this year on Sunday, February 5th. Uh, essentially, what we'll do, we'll have service and we'll uh, have lunch together after service. We'll, after we eat and start eating, we'll get our kids fed and we'll dismiss them to go hang on the other side while we talk family business. Uh, and please hear me when I say this. Um, if you are committed to Mosaic, and I'm going to present a scale for you. If you're committed to Mosaic um, from the level of like a, a regular attender uh, who desires to make this maybe your, your church home very soon, uh, all the way up to like if you're like OG, right? Like you've been here 10 years plus, all right? Uh, you're going to want to be at this meeting, okay? You're going to want to be at this meeting. First of all, I'll just... I, I feel like I need to say this. I have, it's kind of awkward. I haven't said it before, but there's, there's just like a huge lack of concern when it comes to business meetings. Um, I'm sure that's in every church, but culturally in this church body as well. Um, so attendance is usually not great at these. Why that is, I don't know. I don't know because um, you should want to know about the inner workings of your church uh, and what's going on in the family matters uh, that we had to address. But outside of that, we, we make decisions in these meetings, and if you're a member of the body, I just want to tell you, maybe you don't know this, but um, you're a critical part of the actual governing authority in this, this church, right? So that's, that's actually biblical. You, you have a, a vote, so to speak, if you are a church member. And, uh, so anyway, that, that's a biblical thing. You should desire to be a part of these business meetings. We call them partner meetings. But with all that said, I'm just going to um, tell you straight up, if, if you're just tuning in, you're like, whoa, he's kind of serious about this. If you're just tuning in to what I'm saying, please listen. This partner meeting is going to be important. If you miss it, you are going to miss perhaps the, one of the single most important meetings of the life of our church, period, okay? Um, so uh, if you've had like long-standing plans to be out of town or something on February 5th, that, that's fine. Please don't, don't cancel your plan. Like if, yeah, don't, I'm not saying that. Or like if you like get violently ill, please stay home. Um, <laughs> but outside of like valid extenuating circumstances, if you want to be an active part in this church family, we want you to. We want you to, and you should be at this partner meeting, okay? And, and like I said, even if you're not officially a partner yet, but you're, you're, you're making your way in that direction, you, you care about this church, you're thinking about making this, come, come. We'd love to have you uh, with us. So um, hopefully your interest is sufficiently piqued. It should be, and we will fill you in on some important things very soon. All right, let's, uh, let's dive back into our sermon series. It's titled... What now? This is a somewhat topical uh, series where we are jumping around in the book of Acts primarily to discuss the mission of Jesus' church. And to recap, uh, what we've said every week so far is that if we look back through you know, 2,000 years of church history since the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, Jesus' church has had a 
singular focus. And so the main idea of all these sermons is that regardless of seasons and circumstances, what is next for the church never changes. It's always Jesus' mission, right? Jesus commanded his disciples to go and to make more disciples, teaching them to observe all that he had taught them. And so this this kind of cyclical um, great commission, as it's often called, is what the church is all about. It's, It's about believing the gospel for ourselves, abiding in the teachings of Christ, and then uh, living in obedience to, to his lordship as we strive to advance his kingdom in the world. And in the lead up to today's talk, we, we first discussed uh, community, right? And, and, and how nowhere in the Bible will you find a, a justification for running the Christian race alone, It's a team effort where we are, we're reliant, not just on on God, but on the talents and the giftings and the support of one another to be faithful. It's it's been that way ever since the inception of the church. And then then last week we discussed prayer and specifically uh, prayer paired uh, combined with fasting and how Jesus told his disciples that uh, this kind of committed focused prayer would be indispensable to them once he had ascended back to the right hand of the Father. Because as we are engaged in the mission, we are going to, thank you somebody, we, we, we will need divine direction and power that we cannot possess unless we ask for it. Okay. And so now, this morning, we're going to get uh, into kind of the, the, the crux of the whole thing, the, the central piece, if you will, of Jesus' mission, which is the actual disciple-making part of it. So before we do that, let's go ahead, let's pray, and we'll, we'll dive in. Father, you are as we sang, you are so good. And as always, we praise you for your grace that you have showered on us in the unfathomable gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to, to, to sing our songs of, of worship and thanksgiving unto him this morning as, as we always remember, God, that we ought not take this gathering for granted Many of our brothers and sisters around the world and throughout history are having to figure out other ways to meet because they are restricted by law from meeting, and they, they certainly don't have their own building. So we thank you, Lord, for those blessings. Would we not squander them? But Lord, as we come to you now about to discuss disciple-making, I just want to confess how desperate, God, I, I feel in this moment. All the things I'm going to say this morning that you know that I've prepared, the things are, are plain. 
God, at the same time, the, the spiritual significance of them could not be greater. And the spiritual strongholds and barriers to us actually carrying out this sermon are great. Lord, you know full well that we have an enemy, and our enemy is just fine with us coming and gathering and singing so long as we keep the gospel to ourselves. But that the last thing that he wants is for a group of about 100 men and women to go out determined to share the supernatural message of eternal hope with their city. So Holy Spirit, please... Please be in this. I'm wasting my time if you don't work now. In my heart, in the hearts of all who are here, and stir us up with passion for the gospel and determination to see it move forward and bear fruit from our lives and our church family. So I pray all of this in Jesus' good and mighty name. Amen. Well, you might be shocked to find that growing up, um, public speaking was not really my thing. Um, I was in a, like a play in fifth grade, uh, but as I got a little older, I, I grew, like most people, to kind of even fear uh, speaking in front of people and, and feel anxious anytime I, I might need to do it in a classroom setting or or what have you. So uh, I'm honestly pretty surprised. <laughs> I'm probably the most surprised here today, every Sunday, speaking to you for 35 plus minutes. I, I really uh, didn't see that one coming as part of God's plan for my life, but, but nevertheless, here we are. And one of the funniest things I think anyone's ever said to me after teaching on a Sunday morning was a lady who visited one time um, years ago with her husband. And uh, I never saw them again after this, which makes it a little more funny. Um, but as she was walking back down the breezeway to leave, you know, I, I cut out here and try to catch everybody on their way out. She was walking down the breezeway to leave, um, and uh, she, she kind of awkwardly reached out to, you know, just shake my hand. Uh, and as she did, she said, that was a real nice speech. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to respond to that, but... <laughs> I'm sure, you know, not wanting to make it more awkward, I just thanked her for, for joining us or, or whatever, you know. But, you know, it stayed with me, not, not just because it was a little funny, but because while what I'm doing right now and every Sunday definitely would be categorized as public speaking, um, from the biblical perspective, it is not a mere speech. Okay. I think that has something to do with what changed in, in me when I began sensing the call to pastoral ministry and, and the desire to, to publicly teach the, the Word of God. Uh, I don't really view this as a job, per se, though from a purely technical perspective, it is my job. It's how the Lord provides for me and, and my family. But what I do every Sunday is just one way that I am trying to do, trying to be faithful to do, uh, what, what we all are commanded by Jesus to do, which is to make disciples by telling other people the way to have true, fulfilling, eternal life in him, in Jesus, okay? So, so this, you know, just, just so we're all clear on our thinking, um, this 
isn't like a, like a TED Talk, okay? Or as some people have joked, a, a TAD Talk. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's a Jesus Talk. It's a Jesus talk. And in Matthew 28 and Acts 1, which we read on the first week, we find out that we're all commanded by Jesus himself to have Jesus talks, to, to go and make disciples by talking to others about him, by being his witnesses, he says, and, and compelling others to, to hear and to deeply consider the, the gospel message. Like, what I'm doing right now and what we as Christians are all directed to do with our lives is not to simply be really nice people or to give, like, really good advice or helpful advice. Though I do think, practically, the most faithful Christians are are usually really nice people. They tend to offer sound wisdom to those who would seek them out for it, right? But... These things are not primary. The primary thing, the main thing that we are to do as Christians is to tell other people how they can be saved. Okay? Like our commission with Jesus in this life is to tell others the good news. We can't make them believe the gospel, but that's, if you read the Great Commission, that's not our job. Our job is to tell them, right? And then, you know, they work the faith piece of it out with with God from there. But but we're called to preach the gospel, not just me, but but all of us, biblically, or technically, we're, we're missionaries, so to speak, in whatever job, neighborhood, town, and family we've been placed in, we are to, within those spheres of influence, to tell people the gospel. Okay? The gospel. That God is good, right? And that he made humanity for his glory and to have great enjoyment in the life that he has given us, but that we have all blown it, okay? That's the, that's the biblical message. We've blown it by not looking to him for the best ways to live. And instead, if we're, if we're honest, we know we've all chosen to trust our own hearts instead of him. And in so doing, we, we've all sinned against him and lived like we ourselves were God instead. And that way of sinful living, while it seemed right to all of us in the moment, has gotten every one, every one of us into the mess of, of brokenness, right? And we, we all know what brokenness feels like. Everyone in this room knows what brokenness feels like. People try all kinds of things to fulfill their lives apart from God. Anything from landing a great career and working to start the perfect family to to working a lot to make lots of money, right? To relationship hopping and looking for romantic relationships to fulfill us. To living a, a healthy lifestyle where you eat great and you work out twice a day and you, you read lots of books on self-care, Okay? 
all the way over to the, the extremes of deviant behavior, like excessive use of, of drugs and, and alcohol, or watching pornography, or mindlessly playing video games for hours and hours, or spending money on money that you don't have, on, on things you don't really need. Hopefully we're all starting to feel like sinners, right? Or really, just anything you can think of, good things and bad things, people use things that are not God to try to make their hearts happy. But regardless of what we may try to use to fulfill ourselves, we never find enduring happiness apart from God because, friends, we know biblically there is no true happiness apart from God. There's no ultimate joy and fulfillment apart from God because God has created all good things. He's the one that made those good things to be things that would point back to his goodness. So when we selfishly use those things to gratify ourselves without acknowledging him, instead of happiness, we wind up feeling emptiness or loneliness or regret or dissatisfaction or depression or like we're lost or exhausted or burn out, or angry, or bitter, or used, or we feel shame, or hopelessness. This is brokenness, right? It's a sense that, that life is simply not what it's meant to be, no matter what you look to inside yourself for happiness. True, lasting joy is elusive, like grasping for straws, and your heart continues to long for something more. But that while brokenness hurts, it actually is a good thing. It's, it's this internal alert that reveals that in order to find true satisfaction in life, we need outside help. You don't find it in here. Like the world tells us, right? Look inside yourself. No, that's not working. It doesn't work. We have to look outside of ourselves. Right? That's what brokenness tells us. And the Bible says that Jesus is the outside help. Amen. Jesus is the outside help. He is the Son of God who came to earth in human flesh, fully God and fully man, to show us the perfect way to live and then to credit his moral perfection to our account, to us. But that Jesus did not just live for us. He also died for us on the cross so that God could do a miracle in him. The miracle that God did in Jesus was placing all of our sin and the sins of the, of the world, past, present, and future, on him so that he could forgive us and take the, the just punishment for rejecting God in our place. Right? And he didn't just lay his life down, but he triumphantly took it up again to prove that he could do everything that he promised to do in his earthly ministry, that he can heal our brokenness, he can offer us eternal life with God forever if we will just trust and follow him by repenting or turning from our sin and turning to, to him instead, placing our faith in him. Church, I, I know you know this is the gospel. 
right? I know you know that. This is the gospel, and, and our mission, me and every single one of us in here who follows Jesus, is to tell other people this message. There are lots of stats out there these days that say our generation of Christians thinks that it is rude to share our faith with others. But I'm here to correct that notion this morning with the Bible. Sharing the gospel with someone who does not know it is not rude. It's a command from our king. And sharing the gospel is the most loving thing that we can possibly tell anyone ever. Because just like what I'm doing right now is not a mere speech, telling people the gospel is not simply giving them some good advice. It's telling them how they can have forgiveness for their sins and have eternal life. Right? Telling people the gospel is telling them how they can escape from an eternity of separation from God in hell, and instead they can freely enjoy reconciliation and right relationship with God by grace alone forever. So look right at me, friends. This is our main thing. This is our main thing. If we as a church are not about getting into gospel conversations or Jesus talks, maybe that'll stick, with people who are lost, if we're not about that, then just shut the whole thing down. Shut the whole thing down, right? Like, stop the singing on Sunday morning. Stop the the pleasantries, the handshaking. Because a church that doesn't want to make disciples is not a church. It's not a church. It's just a lame social club. If this, is, if this is not about Jesus, who wants to get together at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning in the rain? <laughs> a church that doesn't evangelize is like the Girl Scouts. They don't awkwardly try to sell you cookies when you're leaving Publix. And you're like, you know, like a church that doesn't evangelize is like cops. They don't stop bad guys. I mean, like a few years ago, I said, Churches who don't share the gospel are like a guy who says he loves fishing and who has a nice boat and a bumper sticker on his truck that says, I'd rather be fishing and only wears Guy Harvey t-shirts and Columbia PFG hats. But then you ask him to go fishing, he's like, eh, I kind of just like the fisherman vibe. I don't actually fish. Are you following me? Follow me, like disciples of Jesus who come together like we are right now, come together so they can combine their efforts to be obedient to Jesus on mission. Now, I know that's a long lead up, but, but here's what we see in Acts, okay? A church that is healthily reliant on the direction and power of God, will 
grow numerically through the multiplication of disciples. Okay? A church that's healthily reliant on the direction and power of God will grow numerically through the multiplication of disciples. This is literally shot through the book of Acts. Let me just show you. I'm going to read a few of these to you. First of all, Acts 2, which we've read this already. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all, their pe- with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. In Acts 5, it says again, Now, many signs and wonders were regularly, be, regularly being done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. And more than ever, get this, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. Acts 6, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Acts 16. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them the for observance, the decisions they had, been, they had reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Do you see a trend? As the church was faithful to preach the gospel, to, to live their lives before the surrounding culture, gospel conversations were happening, and more and more people who were lost were having their eyes open to the truth about Jesus, and the church grew, right? So so back to my point, I, I used the wording that I did because of what we established last week about prayer and fasting, that we we pray and fast as the church because there's divine direction and divine power that we won't have unless we ask God for it. Uh, but what you see from the early church is that the direction and the power that they were receiving, it wasn't just direction and power for their personal lives. Okay, now, like what job to take, right, or who to marry, or where to buy a house, or, or what. It's, and it's not, let me be clear, it's not that God doesn't offer us direction on those things. God is a loving Father who who cares about all the details of our lives. He does give us direction on those things. He does work in our lives on those things. But what we see in Acts is that when a church is healthily reliant on God for direction and power, the Holy Spirit directs and empowers them to share Christ and to see more people be saved and become disciples as a result. Okay, now I don't, I don't agree with everything that um, his brother says, but some things he says are really great. Francis Chan said in a recent book that he wrote, um, he said, people were attracted to the early church. Who wouldn't be fascinated by a group that shared its possessions, rejoiced nonstop, had peace beyond comprehension and immeasurable power, never complained? That's a miracle, right? Always gave thanks. Some people joined them, others hated them, 
but few could ignore them. They wouldn't allow people to ignore them as they went out fearlessly sharing the gospel. This is our heritage. This is our DNA. Church, he's absolutely right. Gospel mission is in our DNA. Just just think about this, okay? Every single one of us who is a Christian in this room today is a Christian because countless Christians before us shared the gospel, right? Someone, someone shared the gospel with you. Maybe more than one someone, okay? Whether it was a pastor or a friend or a relative or a coworker or a neighbor and so forth, like someone told you about Jesus. And that's why you're here right now, okay? But also, someone told them about Jesus first. <laughs> and someone told them about Jesus before that. And then back and back and back and back until we're literally talking about the men and women who formed the first church that we're reading about in Acts, right? And in fact, there are men and women in Christian history, church history, who lost their lives in order for us to know the gospel, right? And so if you are a Christian today, You are a Christian because a long line of faithful Christians, regardless of seasons, consequences, they had gospel conversations that multiplied disciples and multiplied disciples and multiplied disciples all the way to you and to me, right? And that lineage is not meant to stop with you. Or me. Your main role, my main role in life now is to keep that going. To to pass our faith on to our kids, to our friends, and to anyone that we have relational proximity to. To share the gospel with others. And for those who actually believe it, to baptize them, right? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to abide in Christ and obey his teachings, okay? You see, true belief in the gospel generates an unquenchable desire to go and tell others about Jesus and to urge them to come and see what he has done, okay? Those who really believe the gospel, this this desire is, is born in us, to go tell other people about Jesus too, to tell them to to come and see, come and see what Jesus has done. Obviously, we we see that with the churches mentioned throughout the book of Acts, but but I want to show you a couple more specific examples. Okay, The the first one is in John's gospel with the woman at the well, right? Uh, Who Jesus, he strikes up a conversation with. A lot of us are familiar with this uh, story in John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus is talking to her, and then he, he immediately turns the conversation with the woman to spiritual things. He, he prophetically, he, he, he speaks to her uh, about her particular brand of, of sin, if you will, which was adultery, uh, and her need for repentance. But then listen to what happens 
I'll just read you kind of key pieces of the text. You should read the whole thing for yourself, okay? Let's pick it up in verse 25. It says, um, The woman said to Jesus, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So the woman left her water jar and went away into into town and, and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were, were coming to him. It says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So, to be clear, the woman at the well, okay, she wasn't a pastor or a spiritual leader of, of, of any kind. In fact, in her culture, she would have been viewed as promiscuous because of how many times she had been married and the fact that Jesus points out that when she meets Jesus, she's living with and she's in a romantic relationship with a man who is not her husband, which the Bible clearly tells us is sin. Okay, But when she realizes who Jesus is and and that he has come to offer her living water, that is salvation and eternal life, she immediately goes and starts calling the people of the town to come and see Jesus, right? And then what happens? It says the people listen to her. They, they likely, they, they, they know her reputation, but they listen to her because they're compelled by her testimony, And then in the end, the people basically say to her, thank you for telling us about Jesus. We came because of what you were saying, but now we too have placed our faith in Jesus ourselves. Okay, let's jump over to 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul, uh, he leads off his letter uh, by, by praising the church in Thessalonica for their faithfulness to share the gospel. Listen to what he says. Uh, We're going to pick it up in 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, verse 2. Here's what Paul says. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, get this, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and in Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything 
For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So in summary, Paul is like, man, guys, great work. You have taken the gospel all over the place. Like we kind of feel like our work is done here because since you believe the gospel, you have gone non-stop telling everyone that you can. What an awesome testimony for a church. Amen? Amen. I love this passage in Thessalonians. Wouldn't that just be awesome to hear that about Mosaic? Those people are out there telling everybody about Jesus. I would love to hear that. There's not a better report card than that because it shows shows authenticity. When we as believers go and tell others about the Jesus that we believe in, it's evidence that we really do believe what we say we believe. That's, That's why people talk to strangers about things, right? That's why people strike up conversations about the news or their favorite sports team because they believe in it. They're passionate about it. And so as the church, it's really this simple. We should tell others about Jesus because we believe in him. And our passion is to see him known and loved by others the same way that we have come to know him and love him. Now I understand. I understand at this point that A lot of people, I can see, you're with me, you're tracking with me, okay, in the sense that what I'm saying, it's really irrefutable, okay? Like, this is clearly biblical. I don't think there's a lot of concerns with that, but but where most of us get hung up is the technicalities, right? Like, this is a huge one, all right? I want to share the gospel, but I'm not confident that I know exactly how to do it. If that's you, don't raise your hand. It's okay. If that's you, I promise, first of all, you're not alone. Okay? You're not alone. But also, if you come to me or to Jason or Tristan or any of our wives or any of our other leaders here, who are, or just doesn't have to be leaders, just believers here who are strong believers, we will give you the tools you need to share the gospel. We will, all right? Um, that's, that's a promise. That is a promise. If you want to share the gospel and your genuine hurdle is that you need to be equipped, we will equip you. We will equip you. So don't feel ashamed. And don't let that stop you. Okay? If, let me just say it as plain as I can. If you're afraid of looking dumb, please, brother, sister, that is a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from the enemy. You do not look dumb asking for help in learning to share the gospel. (laughs) And Straight up, if you come and ask me for help about sharing the gospel, you know how I think you look? I think you look faithful. 
I think you look faithful if you come and ask me. I'm impressed if you ask me. Here's another common hurdle, okay? I want to share the gospel. I'm scared. I'm scared. Now, a lot of people won't outright say it that way, but that's what it is, okay? You're scared to be rejected, or you're scared that someone will think you're weird, or they won't like you anymore, or or whatever. If that's you, you're scared, here's my counsel, okay? Join the club. Join the club. It's scary to step out in faith and share Jesus sometimes, especially when you're not used to doing it, okay? But the only way around that, first of all, is to be in a community of people who are also scared and who are stepping out in faith to share the gospel. That, you got to be in community, okay? That's a huge help, right? Okay, but the only way around it is to pray for the power that you need from the Lord to do it, right? And then just do it. That's the only way. Now, let me just tell you, <laughs> you might trip over your words, I have. Or you might get rejected. Or the person might think you're weird. Definitely has happened to me. Okay? Those things do happen. I don't want you under any illusion. <laughs> if you go share the gospel, it's going to go amazing. The person we've saved immediately, I mean, maybe they will, but sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes they're like, okay, thanks for telling me that, you know? <laughs> But let me tell you what else will happen if you share the gospel. Number one, first of all, you will have been obedient to your Lord. (laughs) You will have been obedient to the great commission that Jesus has given you. Who doesn't want to feel that affirmation from God? That you stepped out in faith and you did a hard thing because you really do love him. Right, that's the first thing that'll happen. You'll have been obedient. But second of all, if you step out and share the gospel, the person that you share with might get saved. They might get saved. They might go from spiritual death to spiritual life, in part because of your willingness to be faithful. As scary or awkward as it might feel at first, your willingness to have the Jesus talk with someone, it might change the trajectory of their life and of their entire eternity. Friends, how can we say no to this mission? How can we say no to this mission? What a privilege to be part of God's ministry of reconciliation to a lost world in need of hope. As Christians and as a church, we don't have to share the gospel. We get to share the gospel. 
we get to share the gospel. Disciple making and in part, the gospel conversation piece of it is meant to be a joyful thing that we get to be a part of Jesus's redemptive mission with him. That's awesome. That's awesome. So as I've done each week so far, I'm going to leave you with one question. Okay, here it is. Will you be faithful to go and tell people the gospel and urge them to come and see what Jesus has done in 2023? (laughs) Will you? Will you be faithful to go and tell people the gospel and urge them to come and see what Jesus has done? Maybe, maybe you sense that this is the year for you, right? Like you've known that you need to be a more faithful witness for Christ. And here you are, once again, being instructed to go and to do what you already know is the mission that you've been created for. So will you join us in this? Will you? When it comes to gospel conversations, we are all on the same playing field. So I'm with you in this, okay? I'm going to commit to being more faithful in sharing the gospel this year. It's not easier for me just because I'm a pastor. In fact, I should be transparent. Sometimes I'm afraid to tell people I'm a pastor. For real, like, you tell your neighbor, hey, yeah, what do you do? Oh, okay, yeah, I'm a pastor. It's like, okay, see you later. Like, <laughs> like that's life for me, friends, okay? It's, it's, that's life for me. I still have to die to myself and step out in faith every time that I share with someone too. But church, this is our main thing, right? This is our main thing. Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. So let's be who Jesus has called us to be. Here's the thing. Anyone that's been fishing knows the results vary. <laughs> you could uh, you not catch anything one day, and then you could have a huge catch another day in the same place, right? But regardless, you have to get out there and bait the hook, and throw the line, right? It's the only way to do it. And that part is on us. That that part is on us. We have to throw the gospel out there and then trust Jesus as the one who's sovereign over what we catch, right? So, in the back of the sanctuary... In front of the sound booth, you'll see as you walk out that there is an interesting contraption on the table that I, I have constructed with, <laughs> I'm sorry, this really is, it's kind of cheesy, but I've constructed with the help of another faithful brother. It's a three foot tall, six inch wide, clear polycarbonate tube. And next to it is a small basket of green ping pong balls. And on either side, There are signs. One that says, come and see. The other one says, go and tell. Okay. And here's what I want us to do this year. Those ping pong balls represent every time that you either invite someone 
to come and see what Jesus has done by inviting them to church with you to hear the gospel, or every time you go and tell by actually sharing the gospel with someone yourself. Okay? It takes about 200 ping pong balls to fill that tube up. On any given Sunday, we have in the ballpark of 100 adults here. More kids. Kids might share the gospel more than us. I don't know. If they share the gospel, they should put a ball in the tube. But we ought to be able to fill that thing up, don't you think? I think we can fill it up. So let's fill it up. Let's fill it up. Because I want to celebrate, I don't know about you, that every week that we see it getting more and more full, as as cheesy as it might be, as it might look at first glance, I think it's going to grow to represent our collective faithfulness to the main thing. To the main thing. That's why it's right in the middle. The main thing. I don't know about you, but when I see Jesus face to face, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I know that in a big way, my faithfulness is tied to whether or not I obeyed Jesus on the mission to go and tell people the gospel and to urge them to come and see what Jesus has done and what he can do for them, right? So if you personally have shared the gospel in 2023 already, or if you've invited a friend to church already in 2023, man, praise God, that is awesome, okay? And on your way out, go ahead and put your ball in the tube, all right? And keep it up. Let's fill it up. Let's tell people, come and see what Jesus has done. Let's go and tell, pe- go and tell people the gospel. You're so good. Father, God, you, you're so good. I, I, I just, it's all I can say sometimes. It's all I can start off with. You have done everything for us. You made us. You sustain us. And God, you, you save us. You redeem us. God, while we were all lost and sinners who were not glorifying you, but we were glorifying ourselves, you sent your son Jesus to live the life that we could never live and then to die for us on the cross while we were still sinners. Christ loved us and died for us to pay for all our sin and to reconcile our relationship with you. And then he rose again from the grave. God, it's undeniable. You made the gospel undeniable. No one can deny that Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, people try, but they don't do a good job, Lord. We thank you that you've made the gospel so clear and so compelling. God, I pray that myself and the men and women and the children that make up this church, God, that we would be a people who when we leave these doors, when we say we're going to go be the church, God, we know what that means. We know that means we're on your mission. We're urging people to come and see, and we're going, and we're telling the gospel ourselves. God, would you increase that among us? Would you increasingly make us a people who are stepping out 
in faith. Even when they're scared, they're stepping out because they want to be obedient to you. They love you, and they want to see more people come to know and love you. Holy Spirit, would you do that in us? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.